0: It's interesting because the community, were, they were kind of like skeptical. You know, we don't know you. Um, again, keeping in mind, for lack of a better term, is the ghetto. So they're just like, what do you want? You know, is, is this a hoax? Um, what's the catch? Um, I, I know initially the weeks leading up to the health fair, we literally had to knock on people's door and hand out flyers. We had to tape flyers to apartment buildings. We would go into the barber shops, into the liquor store, into the shopping centers and talk to them so that they knew we meant well for them. We just, you know, we just want them to know that uh, people are thinking about them and people want them um, to win.
1: You're listening to Stuck in the Middle podcast, a platform for entrepreneurs, innovators, and creatives of African descent. Hear stories, ideas, experiences, and advice on breaking barriers. This episode is brought to you by our online store. Visit sitmpodcast.com and shop Stuck in the Middle merch. We've also partnered with Perfect Office Solutions to bring you affordable, professional, and flexible private office spaces in seven locations in the DMV. Use promo code SITMPODCAST to get 10% off your monthly lease. If you're looking for office space, hit up Perfect Office Solutions. How Them Stuck in the Middle sent you, and save some money on some perfect office space.
2: I want to make sure that we give a shout out to our special guest. She is the founder of Wealthy Communi- Communities Incorporated, an initiative for promoting wealth in marginalized communities. Please welcome Sarah Kapulayui. yui Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, welcome. Super excited to be here. Welcome. Welcome. How you feeling? Uh, i feel good i feel good i'm nervous about some of these questions but you know i'm, I'm gonna rock it's okay we're it. gonna use yeah, it nothing yeah. too off the wall
2: you know what we i'm saying we got you so we're gonna make sure you have a little bit of fun with us where you're here too
0: right. i anticipate fun so right. i'm excited
2: that's good so All right. for those who may not know you who is miss sarah kapalui hmm,
0: good question okay um i am a nigerian born well, American-born Nigerian, should I say. Um, I am the first of seven. Um, Ooh. I am a healthcare professional by trade, and I am a lover of people. So that is my purpose. Okay. I like that. I like that. So you, were, you weren't born in Nigeria. You were born in? Washington, D.C. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you went to, like, can you give me a background of, like, your educational background? So, like...
1: I know you got your master's. Yes. So I attended,
0: well, Bowie High School. Okay. And then, so I've been in the DMV my entire life, good and bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) But I attended Towson University for both undergrad and grad. Undergrad, I focused on health science, and then grad school was healthcare administration. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you just knew that you just wanted to be in that field, in the healthcare field. Yes. So, you know, being African, healthcare looks like nursing. doctor Doctor. pharmacy Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't want to do any of that right um so i found that i could be in healthcare not necessarily be a clinician um but still have the same amount of influence Mm -hmm. just in the background okay All right, so we're just going to jump into it. So can you tell us what exactly is Wealthy Communities Incorporated? How did it start? What's the vision? Okay, so our mission, Wealthy Communities Incorporated, is focused on promoting wealth in marginalized areas. Um, We do that by driving initiatives to um, improve access to uh, health, education, and human service globally. Um, So our focus really is just to um, promote wealth in marginalized areas. How we do that, um, because my niche was healthcare, that's what I went to school for, initially we started out by um, having health fairs. So we would have free health fairs um, and they would always be in a marginalized area. Uh, But then when we, As we started to plan the health fairs, we found that there were other individuals within the social impact sector that wanted to be a part of um, just providing opportunity and empowering underrepresented individuals. So then we expanded it to focus on education and human service as well. And education really looks like um, giving minority students uh, an opportunity to pursue their academic careers, helping them find mentors, um, people that they can shadow if they're trying to go the clinical route. Um, I find that because we're first generation, we're the first to do it in our families and we don't really have that blueprint laid out by you know our parents and so um, it places them at a disadvantage so we help them be on the same level playing field as those that are not minority. Um, And then human service, I actually have a partner. Um, She's not here, but her name's Kayla Moore and her niche is human service. She's a life coach um, and uh, also works in case management. So she oversees the human service aspect, just uh, breaking barriers for underrepresented minority individuals that are facing homelessness or um, uh, have lost jobs or are recovering from addiction, things like that.
2: Kind of talk about how did you um, put this together. Uh, did you just sit down and saw that there was a need for this, or
0: no? Uh, the backstory. So, um, as a healthcare professional, I was working for a medical school, and at the time, um, I was overseeing uh, students that were completing their clinical rotations, and they were pretty much the same age as me. So I'm like, here I am, supporting individuals in their dreams, and I don't really feel like I'm doing mine. You know, doing much of my own dream. And so um, I went through a period where I'm just applying for jobs, but nothing really fit. Nothing really um, captured what I wanted to do, how I wanted to help people. So then I decided, why don't I just create that opportunity for myself? Um, And that was what birthed wealthy wealthy communities. I wanted to do something where I could be in a position to... um, Facilitate to um, take my administrative background and provide a platform for the medical, the very same medical students that I'm overseeing, give them an opportunity to use their skill set, what they're learning, but give it back to the public. Um, and so it was really just creating a platform for them to do it. Um, they, this is their life journey, so they, you know, they wanted to be a part of it, and so I would. Pretty much from blue, you know, blueprint. Um, I decided what I want to see is um, underserved uh, individuals. I've always had a passion for uh, underserved areas because I knew from my upbringing, you know, again, first generation, seeing how our parents have kind of um, gotten us from where they were when they were immigrants to what our lives look like now. Um, I knew what it meant to come from and. Um, a disadvantaged area and um, not everyone has the opportunity to uh, just pursue their dreams and so I wanted to create a a platform where I could serve these individuals and um, help them feel empowered and I had the network I had the medical students I had social workers within my network I had pharmacists within my network nurses so if I could create an opportunity they were gonna come out and um, that's what we did so Really just look like um, utilizing my network within the medical education hospital setting, um, you know targeting a community center Uh, at the first one we did was in capitol heights southeast area so we found a community center right in southeast and um we asked if we could host a health fair there and you know it's interesting because the community were they were kind of like skeptical you know we don't know you um again keeping in mind for lack of a better term is the ghetto so they're just like what do you want you know is is this a hoax um what's the catch um I, i know initially the weeks leading up to the health fair we literally had to knock on people's door Mm -hmm. and hand out flyers we had to tape flyers to apartment buildings we would go into the barber shops into the liquor store into the shopping centers and talk to them so that they knew we meant well for them we just you know we just want them to know that uh, people are thinking about them and people want them um, to win you know and so we're creating an opportunity they just got to show up um, and everything we need. Not to cut you off, but I did. But mm-hmm. just jump in real quick, because as you're like describing all of this, for people that are like unaware of what a marginalized community is, can you like go in depth and explain what that actually is? Yeah, so a marginalized community is a community that um, does not have the resources that they need to pretty much be or live their best lives. And so um, that looks like not having a grocery store within their vicinity, Um, not having access to um, a hospital. Um, And if they don't have transportation, um, then how are they gonna get to a hospital if anything um, happens to them? Um, Not having access to just I guess your basic needs your basic everyday needs and so um, their dis or their school system let's let's keep it very basic you know uh, they don't have enough teachers the school isn't uh, being funded properly um, as far as the education sector goes in terms of human service uh, being limited limited to housing options because their income is low so you know they don't have the opportunity to live in an area that's safe um, or even live in a building that is safe to to be in they take what they can afford kind of thing um and then on the again on the health side not having access to insurance because if you're working a low-income job you don't have benefits and so once again um marginalized means you don't have all of the resources that you need to live your best life even if you wanted to
2: it seems as though um wealthy uh wealthy sorry excuse me wealthy communities incorporated um you all have that vision and that plan but it wasn't always like that kind of talk about some of the challenges and barriers you faced putting that organization together
0: yeah so initially uh when i approached the hospital that I, i was working for the hospital i had actually been there for about three years so initially when i started working with them uh when i presented the idea the to the residency program. Um, I went to the family medicine residency program and I let them know that I wanted to facilitate a health fair to the public and I wanted to utilize them, you know, the the physicians in the residency program um, to help fuel this initiative. And I remember the program director was like, but you've never done this before. You know, I'm I'm not gonna send my doctors out to an area that we don't know. you know, who knows what could happen to them, um, who knows just logistic wise if this is even gonna work. Um, so I did get pushback I'd say from from ironically from African American individuals that may have some at some point in their lives been in that predicament, um, but now they're in a position of power and so I guess they feel removed um, from that, that part of their lives. Um, the other opposition I got was um, getting people to buy into the dream. So uh, I spent a lot of time, just myself and my partner, spent a lot of time just sending out emails to different organizations, to different professionals, um, really asking if they would spend their time or their day or donate resources, you know, diabetes kits, whatever we could get um, to to this population that they may or may not have been invested in or knew anything about really. Um, I would say that was a challenge. The other challenge we faced uh, was get again getting the the public. So I think the biggest defeat is that once we were able to secure a location, once we were able to secure physicians and nurses and um, state government Maryland state government officials that were willing to come out and do HIV testing and um, social workers that were willing to do consultations. So we've set this up. I mean, there was food, but then we still couldn't get them to leave, come out of their houses and they were still very, the community was still very skeptical. I think that was probably, if anything, the biggest challenge. So the whole saying of um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm telling you that, this is a building that is here, and these are services that are here all day for free, and you're sk- still skeptical. Right. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest frustration, um, really getting the community to understand that um, there there are people that care about you, but, you know, they don't believe that. They right. think that there is something behind it. Okay. Yeah. So um, you said you had a team, like, getting – You had doctors, people to do like HIV testing and stuff like that. So do you have like a set team? Like when you always have events, they always come out or do you like, um, what is it? I guess have different people come in from different places so we do have some consistency Um, now that we've been doing it we do have one residency program Um, anytime we let them know that we have set up a community health fair um, they will come out we do have um, social workers that once we let them know we have it set up they will come out same thing with nurses Um, we have another woman who focuses on tobacco cessation among the minority population she's always willing to come out Um, Um, We have a life coach who's always willing to come out as well. Um, And so that actually um, takes me to the next initiative that we started to focus on, which was a social impact mixer. Because we realized that in order to uh, drive these initiatives, we actually, we need a solid network. We need people that are invested in um, the populations that we serve, whether they can relate to them or not. But naturally, they should just have... a, a. a desire to, to make a difference and, and use their gifts. You know, we we're all blessed. Um, we're certainly um, more fortunate than others, and so um, just getting them to agree to if you know to show up. Right. And so the social impact mixer is an environment that helps us grow that network. Um, helps us draw in social entrepreneurs. Um, Corporate professionals, health professionals, get them in one room um, and engage them so that we can um, get a solid, reliable network of people that will always agree um, to come out when necessary.
2: Okay. Let's dive in a little bit into your personal life. Let's, okay. Let's, let's, let's go away. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Okay. So you're a little, tis- uh, you're, no, excuse me, not little. You are a Towson Tiger. Yes. Yes. Shout okay. to
0: Towson. I love Towson. <laughs> I made some of my best friends at Towson.
2: Okay, Being a healthcare professional coming from Towson, because you've got your undergrad and your grad degree from Towson, Mm kind of talk about um, coming out of that environment and then landing into the workforce. Was it difficult? Was it what you expected? You know, you worked all these years for healthcare and mommy and daddy finally went to graduation and they got it. You know, how is it going into that workforce?
0: Oh, my goodness. That she was, did the
2: size, so you know something. It
0: was the most, <laughs> you know what? I came out of Towson with my undergraduate degree, and then my parents are just like, okay, so... What's next? What's, what's next? <laughs> what's, you know, did you get a job? And I'm like, did you show me how to get a job? Like, you know, so I went through a period, I was actually still working in retail, even with my degree for a period. Um, uh, and I, again, I think I, I've, I've realized when you don't have a solid blueprint, um, you have to figure things out, especially mm-hmm. as a first-generation um, child. So yeah, coming out of undergrad, I thought, okay, now I got the degree. The money's going to start rolling in. It should be easy to find a job. Negative, negative. So I think I first started working as a reimbursement specialist Um, for a healthcare company, Um, and then I met one of my friends from Michael Kors um, had actually um, asked me if I was interested in being a coordinator for a Employee Assistance Program, so it was called Business Health Services at the time. I think the name has changed now, but um, essentially what they were responsible, it was around the time Obamacare kicked off, and so now all employers are responsible for making sure their employees have health insurance. So we were uh, pretty much implementing, helping implement wellness programs um, in uh, corporate America until so i thought okay this is it like i think i love it i can do this you know I, I think i can grow with this and i did end up moving into a program manager role but it was a uh, small company and i had my first experience with being laid off so mm-hmm. they had done some restructuring moved some money around cut some roles i was the youngest in the company and i'll be honest uh I was making pretty good money for someone who um, had just kind of moved into this sector. So, yep, they cut your girl. They, they cut me, and I was devastated. I was lost. I was like, what is life? But that I was actually um, in my second semester of uh, grad school, so there was light there. Right. Um, so what happened was I just ended up focusing on grad school. Um, I left Baltimore because at the time I was still in Baltimore after Towson. Left Baltimore. Um, backstory: I sing, so I started exploring other options, pursuing music for a little bit. I had time, and mm-hmm. you know, What you just... singing, girl? What you singing? So I actually explored the Afrobeat, R&B, mm. Afrobeat oh, sector. Okay. Um, but it's it's a brutal, brutal world in the um in the um industry, music hard. industry, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I got a degree, okay. so. I, <laughs> I'm just
2: gonna fall back on that it's
0: because I'm not cut I love to sing but not that much you can know we, so can we,
2: can we can we where can we find a song can we find a song?
0: I have not posted anything um but. If I, you I ever do before, I could be your backup dancer. Girl, I don't mind. <laughs> Let's do
2: something. Let's do something. She's just gonna pop, lock, and drop it. That's all she hey, does. Something. Um, That's I, all she I think
0: does. on if you scroll down far enough on my personal page there is um a clip of me singing. But I um now I stick to singing in church because you know like I said, the industry is brutal. And so I was like, this is a gift that God gave me and I love it so much. And I I, I don't want anyone to take that away from me um, or make me stop loving um, something that has come so natural. So uh, just the pressure of the industry, I decided it wasn't for me, but not a story for another day. So anyway, um, I then finished grad school. Mind you, my mom was still asking me, am I going to become a PA, a doctor, or a nurse? And I'm like, no, sis, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, so I ended up finishing grad school, and um, I landed a job um, with a medical school. Um, and I've been in the medical education sector ever since. Um, so that's where it's, I, you know, I have a huge influence on... Um, on the trajectory of what medicine is going to look like, so I currently interview medical students. I particularly favor um, minority first-generation students. That's my thing, um, and so I use this platform to, you know, hopefully fuel the number of minority into medicine, just creating opportunity for them to be physicians um, and have stake stake in the game of what it looks like to be a doctor right? so you have a nine to five mm-hmm. and then you have this yes so how do you find balance what is balance girl that's a good question because I don't even I know don't myself know. <laughs> you know and it's crazy because when I hear when I hear people um ask that question and answer it I'm practically I don't know what that looks like I'll be very honest I think I just do I don't think too much you mm-hmm. just um you just move and so um, I When it's 9 to 5, I get that done. And as soon as 5 hits, I follow up with anything concerning wealthy communities. If I can merge the two, I will absolutely do so. So if I can take some calls during the day, um, if I can handle some wealthy community stuff during the day, then I certainly do so.
2: So our homegirl here, Miss Sarah, is sitting on 2 Degrees. She got her two. business incorporated. Got her 9 to 5. Kaseeing. Can sing what them DMs looking like, isn't them DMs open? Uh,
0: mm. I don't even really do the DM in Instagram, <laughs> to be quite honest. I suck with social, I suck with social, it's terrible. And I was telling my friends, I said, I suck so bad that, um, I, from what I'm understanding, you know, your, your social media is kind of like it's kind of like a hinge or Tinder profile these days. Like guys really scope your social media. And if you are judging me on my social media, I got to do better. Uh, (laughs) I certainly have to do better. But as far as social media from the wealthy community side, uh, my partner is the reason why that even exists. And on the personal side, if by DMs, I get to him when I get to them. so technically, fellas, I mean it's it's, it's a dub. Yeah, don't try to <laughs> don't try to reach me on social media. Okay, um, I if yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think that's the way to go. At least not for me. Yeah, but you can find her on LinkedIn. You can you can <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn though, really. Oh no, slide to the LinkedIn. But okay, so let's get back. So I read that you were you held a position on the Baltimore City Youth Advisory Board, mm-hmm. and then you had another position for, yes. uh, what is it, uh, Baltimore City Connect to Protect. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? And you tell us your experience. Yeah, so again, my background was um, within the health science sector, and I had kind of honed in on um, health science, health education within marginalized areas. And so uh, I had done an internship right after undergrad, for Baltimore City. It was at the Healthy Teens and Young Adults Clinic, which was a teen clinic that only saw patients from the ages of 12 to 24, um, and it provided family planning and reproductive health, HIV, STD testing. Um, And then there was a separate part of it that also included an after-school program. So uh, it was a safe haven for Baltimore City youth. They would come, not only would they address you know, any medical concerns that they had as it related to sex. But then um, we would feed them, we would host workshops for them, we would help them with their homework, um, help them see themselves outside of Baltimore City in terms of preparing them for opportunities that um, would get them into college. And so um, that, I would say, is when the light was ignited for wealthy communities Um, unfortunately oh and within that i started to dive into more of what was happening in baltimore city so connect to protect was uh, really a a a group a coalition a committee that was formed under baltimore city um, to connect not only um, youth but uh, members of the L- LGBTQ community mm-hmm. um, you know engage them and hopefully help them make healthier decisions um, as it relates to their lifestyle um, and then for the advisory board what that looked like was engaging youth that were in the arts um, and providing a positive outlet for them to make Baltimore beautiful um, so what we would do is we would review their work, um, which some of it is all around Baltimore City, um, and we would pick, you know, uh, which which, art creative outlets, resources that they had created that would be ideal for a certain street or... Um, just make them feel a part of the of the community that they've been birthed in. And um, so I did that for about a year before transitioning out of Baltimore City because funding was cut, um, unfortunately, and surprise, these very surprise. same youth that we were trying to protect were then put back into the streets with nothing to do. Um, and that was, um, I, I know you know that was very unfortunate
2: has a majority of the work that wealthy communities have done was it mostly in baltimore or is it both baltimore and dc
0: no we are all over honey we are Ooh, all over okay. so we started work in uh first initiative was in capitol heights southeast area mm-hmm. second initiative was in adelphi maryland Okay. The third initiative, we did a Young Girls um, Empowerment Brunch, and that was in Northeast DC. That was uh, tailored to minority uh, females. Um, The next event we did was actually in Lagos, Nigeria, Uh, what we actually did a a fundraiser in Silver Spring that was in preparation for Lagos, Nigeria. Um, Yaba Psychiatric Hospital, we partnered with Africa's Mental Health Matters to raise funds to be able to um, purchase resources for the hospital. The hospital had a list, name it. They needed everything. <laughs> name it. They needed to function. Right, right. So, uh, pretty much everything we could purchase uh, for them, we delivered that. And then we had a community day with them. So, we engaged with the uh, youth patients. It was very interesting to see that a lot of the patients that were in the psych ward were like our age. Mm
2: -hmm. Definitely. So with you having the experience of working or having um, events in all of these different various areas, kind of talk about what um, some characteristics may be of misrepresented communities or underrepresented communities.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stigma. I think, I think um, one, there's a definite stigma around mental health and how it how it um, affects how you view yourself in society, um, how it aff- it affects how you view your potential and um, mental how much that affects um, minority individuals so individuals um, of different cultural backgrounds I, you know African, African American, Hispanic um, again I think it's, it's a mindset where you can't see yourself um, achieving more than what your environment tells you Um, and so I think it's very important to pour into these individuals um, and allow them to see that they can be and and do and receive more than what they're getting and what they're getting is is not all that's that they they deserve. Um, And so that is what, what, spread the wealth. That's what wealthy communities is about. You know, us that we are blessed and we, especially us that we know what struggle looks like and Mm -hmm. we've been blessed to come out of that, um, helping them see that they too um, can do the same. Um, And they might not be able to have that influence from a direct family member or a coworker or their immediate network. But when we come, you know, the goal is to empower them and relate to them first and then empower them however we can um to live to improve their well-being to live the life that i've been privileged to live to be honest so with that being said what factors do you feel like contribute to marginal marginalization and how do you feel like it can a solution can be created um okay so we here in america and in africa Mm -hmm. everybody likes to blame the government the government the government you know uh corruption right um what else um yeah the government corruption trump whoever you like you know we like to blame them But I think we have to understand that we are the country. We are the community. And so once we have been put in a position, whether you are a seven-figure tech person, uh, whether you are a seven-figure physician, um, if you are working in the government, Um, as a lobbyist or whatever Mm -hmm. utilizing that platform to then make a difference we can't continue to blame the government when we essentially are the ones that have the power so um, I think at that point for me what -hmm. it looks like is coming together um, as individuals again putting our heads together to help create change so that we, we don't we don't even need the government, right? So here we are saying, okay, I don't have health insurance because you know I'm on or I'm on Section Eight or X, Y, and Z. But um, that may be the case. But then if we come together, us that do have health insurance, us that are physicians, us that are pharmacists, and we decide, I'm going to designate eight hours of my life a week to go into this community. I don't, you know, I'm already making seven figures what what would it really cost you to take some time out of out of your life to do something for free right and so that's my gist that's that's how i see it i think if we take us that are privileged um and i base it off um the bible wealth looks like those that are blessed then blessing the less fortunate and so we We are blessed we cannot com- continue to blame the government for why other people are less fortunate. Um, I think we need to kind of look at ourselves and see what we have that we can do to help those around us, especially if we have more than enough or at least enough to take care of ourselves. there is always a little bit to then pass back to somebody else just so they have a just one step if just one stepping stone um, to get to closer to where you are in life
2: definitely so um let's just end it off like this what's next for wealthy communities Incorporated? are there anything we should be looking for any solid calendar dates yes
0: yes yes so tomorrow we're actually going to be tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow is 2-23-2020 2-23-2020 mm-hmm. so february 23rd uh we are going to be at sarah's house uh which is a women's shelter um they are under catholic charities of america but we will be uh feeding the families of sarah's house tomorrow so um, we will also be so this is the great thing about that mixer we had um we actually got not only uh money donated so we'll be able to Purchase in-kind donations for them. We also have my whole car is full of donations. So bed sheets uh, washcloths Toiletries um, So we'll be delivering that to the families tomorrow and they need everything. I mean they need plates, you know I've never said I need a plate before right, you know, right, right, <laughs> so um You know, Just thinking about it that way Um, So tomorrow, yes, we'll be at Sarah's house We're going to spend the morning with them We're going to set up a Valentine's Day brunch for them Make them feel like they're at a fancy brunch We have some mock mimosas set up Chicken and waffles Again, just make them feel like um, It's Sunday brunch, you Mm -hmm. know They feel loved And so we're going to host that for them As well as uh, drop off some donations Uh, We just had a mixer on Thursday We'll continue to have mixers Every three to four months Um, And so those mixers are an opportunity to have fun while giving back. Literally, you buy a drink, you buy some happy hour food, and that money goes towards um, somebody in need. And um, the other thing we have planned is our annual holistic health fair. We have a health fair every year, um, but this time we're taking it to Africa. So if you've never been to Nigeria or if you've never been to the continent of Africa and uh, you, wanna, you wanna come, um, this is gonna be fun. We're fun. When is it gonna be? Uh, so it's gonna be in December. The exact date has not been uh, released yet. But it will be in December, so there's plenty of time to jump in on this initiative. Um, and we're also very open to partnering. So if you have a nonprofit throughout this year and you need our help, we we want to help. We want to figure out how we can come together and service our communities um, because uh, two heads are always better than one. So.
2: For sure, for sure. All right. So where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you and uh, with the communities?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, right now, Instagram is the best way um, at Wealthy Communities. Um, if not Instagram, we are on Facebook. So you can reach us on Facebook. Same thing at Wealthy Underscore Communities. Um, and our website will be uh, launched within the month. So I would say check out follow us on instagram so you know when the website launches that's where you will get all the media um everything we've done so far you'll be able to keep up with us you'll be able to sign up if you're interested in jumping in on this annual health fair in africa because you know africa is the wave okay um but yeah social media instagram
2: all right well it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank Stuck for in did, how you for having me. How do you feel? Because you, you
0: I, said you were nervous at first. I really love cook. this. I love this. Shout out to Stuck in the Middle. Thank yeah, you for I, having guys, me. Thank you, Thanks thank you, for thank coming.
2: You. All right, everyone. So don't forget to review and follow all us all on all of... Uh, excuse me. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's Stuck in the Middle, SITM Podcast. On Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, IG, anywhere you... Where, anywhere you need to follow us just make sure you follow us don't forget to subscribe on our youtube channel hit that like and ring a button for daily updates um let us know if you have any questions sitm podcast at two three sitm podcast 237 at gmail.com um i hope you enjoy the show and this is us tutu what's up i'm
0: here i'm out Yo,
2: we stuck in the middle <laughs> we out
0: Oh, that was awesome. awesome. So this is my partner, Kayla. Hi, Kayla. I can talk to you. How
2: are you? I'm Kayla.
1: Tutu. You looks great. It looks nice down here. I just pulled up. <clears my throat> There's a lot car, of rust in that one. The parking spot.
0: And she came real in real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, though. You should be good. Yeah. Is it a number? Yeah. yeah. One number, it's, it's like literally this house number. okay. Oh, okay. I figured since it was this house number, I would be fine. You just break a rule. You're just like, I'm like, that's how I be when I be DC real quick like running oh Oh, thank you guys for having me this was awesome
1: thank you for listening to this week's episode let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media using the hashtag SITM podcast if you want to find out more about Stuck in the Middle visit our website sitmpodcast.com to browse our blog section to tell us your story, send us an email at sitmpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. Till next time, be safe.